Next on Inside Indiana Business, Indiana cities and towns under new leadership after the November election. Tara Hote, one of them. Hear what 27-year-old mayor-elect Brandon Sackman, the country's youngest small city leader's vision is to grow Terre Haute. Plus, a new pep in the step for an iconic Indiana favorite. See what big things are in store for Chocola, a Hoosier drink dating back 70 years, and the Grand Dame of Central Indiana TV News bids farewell. We catch up with Debbie Knox stepping away from the anchor desk. A look back at her 30-plus year career in Indianapolis and what's next. For 25 years, we have been Indiana's business news leader. This is IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business with Gary Dick. Presented by Elevate Ventures and Indiana University. Hello and welcome to Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick. This month's municipal elections brought a mix of new and old leadership to mayoral offices around Indiana and with it a variety of visions. Here in the state capital, Democrat Joe Hogsett cruised to a third term in office. While in suburban Indy, Carmel elected Republican Sue Finkham to succeed retiring seven-term mayor Jim Brainerd. And former newsman John Stair, Republican, is the new mayor in Zionsville. A familiar face back in office in Fort Wayne as Democrat Tom Henry won a fifth term in a close race. In southeast Indiana, new leadership in Evansville as Democrat Stephanie Terry becomes the first woman and first African-American to lead that city. In northwest Indiana, Democrat State Senator Eddie Melton is the new mayor in Gary, unseating incumbent Democrat Jerome Prince. And nearby in Valparaiso, a familiar face, former Republican Mayor John Costas, is back in office. And in Terre Haute, history is made. Today made a motion that it is time for change in Terre Haute, Indiana. That's 27-year-old Brandon Sackman, a Terre Haute uh, native, the son of immigrant parents and an Army Ranger. He's the city's youngest mayor ever, defeating four-term Republican incumbent Duke Bennett. And Mayor-elect Brandon Sackman joins me now from Terre Haute with, uh, with more. And Mayor-elect uh, Sackman, thank you very much for joining us. I know it's been a whirlwind for you. My first question, you're 27 years old. What in the world made you decide to run for, for mayor? Oh, that's a good question. And, you know, I get it time and time again. Uh, truth be told, my parents, as you mentioned earlier in the show, are immigrants. Uh, they've instilled in me the, the concept of public service and and giving back to a country that's allowed us oh so much opportunity here in America. So I'm chasing my small chapter in the book called American Dream and American History, and I want to serve this community. Uh, in third grade, I remember Grandparents Day. It was really tough for uh, a young kid whose grandparents were nowhere near Terre Haute, Indiana, and so many community members would, would come out and support me. So yep. this is a community that raised me in my formative years. And this is a community I'm going to fight for in my young years and in my old years. Yeah, you've received a lot of national attention in part because of your age, your personal story as well. A lot of national attention. You got a call the day after the election, uh, as I understand it, from Vice President Kamala Harris. And, and, and as I, I understand it, on that call, among the things you talked about was the future for small cities in the Midwest like Terre Haute. What is that? What is the future in your view? What is the future? What does the future Terre Haute look like? Well, I'm a firm believer that Terre Haute is unique, right? Its future is riverfront downtown development. 
It's, you know, working through advanced manufacturing, diversifying the job market and leveraging not one, not two, not three, but four universities here from Indiana State, Rose Holman, St. Mary of the Woods College and Ivy Tech. We have all the tools to just, you know, launch on exponential growth here in Terre Haute, Indiana. Yep. And to me, the future is, as we look at a lot of these urban areas, a lot of these state capitals is really kind of getting young professionals back to towns like Terre Haute as well as practicing ageism and getting folks who are coming back home after living a long and successful career. So blending those two traits together in a great town like Terre Haute, that's what the future looks like. You mentioned advanced manufacturing, Terre Haute, uh, getting a commitment from Intec earlier in the year for a $1.5 billion electric vehicle ba uh, battery components uh, operation, 600 or so jobs. As you look at economic development, uh, how aggressive do you think, do you think Terre Haute needs to be more aggressive uh, in that area? I do think they need to be more aggressive, but you know, when it comes to economic development, it's really so much more than just the jobs piece, the, the total number of jobs, the, the median income of the jobs coming in. You have to look at housing. You have to look at your education. You have to look at neighborhood development, you know, residential homes, just as much as you look at commercial development. So packaging that all together is how you really get aggressive. You know, we want to sell the community of Terre Haute, what I call Terradice. I say it all the time. I've got two tickets to Terradice. You're invited. Mention it to the vice president as well. But those are the conversations that you need to have is selling this community, not just from a jobs aspect, but from a housing aspect, educational aspect, quality of life aspect, and employment aspect as well. Yeah. Hey, we well, have very limited time here. Two questions I want to get in. One, downtown development. There's been activity certainly over the last number of years downtown in Terre Haute. I know a lot of focus on that. Will that be a focus area, uh, continuing that, uh, that downtown redevelopment? Absolutely. You know, you want to leverage not just the convention center, but full-time employment office space as well apartment style housing, as well as maximize that relationship with Indiana State, which is right by the heart of downtown. So we've got to synchronize all three of those points and really push downtown development these next four years. And very quickly, riverfront development, you mentioned it earlier. Do you see that as a, an opportunity? Been talked about for a long time. Yeah, and we're in the very nascent stages of the planning process. This next year, we're going to do a full comprehensive master plan and map out what do we want the Terre Haute relationship to the Wabash River to look like over the next 10 to 15 years. We're going to lay the groundwork, not just for my administration, but multiple mayors down the road and see 15 to 25 years of positive development. To me, that's mixed use, mixed income. Can you grab a cup of coffee, potentially a beer? Can you get a house or an apartment there? Is there something to do for kids of all ages to, to seniors? Are we leveraging nature as well as commercial and retail development? That's mixed use and mixed income, and we're going to make it happen on the Wabash River. Terre Haute Mayor-elect Brandon Sackman, thank you very much. We look forward to talking to you many times going forward. Thank you. Thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Well, I recently spoke with another mayor-elect preparing to take office, incoming Zinesville Mayor John Stair. He's my guest on the next Business and Beyond podcast. Well, Central Indiana TV uh, news viewers certainly will recognize Stair. He spent more than two decades behind the anchor desk at WTHR. He retired five years ago and has since pursued a call to community service. Elected mayor of Zionsville in November with an eye on how to capitalize on, among other things, the Leap District in Boone County. Tremendous growth opportunity for generations to come. It's not just the businesses going into the Leap District, but there's going to be a spinoff, right? Six to eight times for PR companies, accountants, uh, dry cleaners, restaurants, uh, so many things that are going to serve 
the LEAP district and residential. You know, there are people are going to want to live close to where they work. So I think that that for Zionsville, there are tremendous opportunities there. Much more with Zionsville Mayor-elect John Stair on the next edition of the Business and Beyond podcast, dropping Monday at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. Well, two forces colliding in healthcare, fed up patients and burned out doctors, and Indiana-based startups' idea to take insurance out of the picture. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank. All rights reserved. Well, patients are frustrated and doctors are burned out. Two market forces that the founders of Freedom HealthWorks say driving growth for the Indiana-based startup. Business of Health reporter Kylie Valletta here now with more. Kylie. Thank you, Gary. Hoosier Brothers Chris and Adam Habig founded Freedom HealthWorks nine years ago to grow a model of health care that's gaining traction called direct primary care, which eliminates the insurance middleman. Hoosiers are now seeing more of the Indianapolis-based company. The first Freedom Doc Clinic opened in Zionsville earlier this year, followed by one in Batesville this fall. And on Monday, a clinic in Westfield will open its doors. We're getting a ton of demand, and we're trying as hard as we can to satisfy that demand. With about 135 practice startups throughout the U.S. and the third Freedom Doc Clinic opening its doors in Indiana, Chris Habig believes Hoosiers are catching on to the no health insurance model. With direct primary care, or DPC, patients pay their doctor directly. For a Freedom Doc Clinic, it's around $100 to $150 per month with unlimited use. We kind of say it's like a gym membership. You can go in every single day and use it, or you can use it once a month. Your price really never changes. DPC is known for longer patient visits and real-time direct communication with your doctor, such as texting. The company says a doctor with Freedom HealthWorks will have about 500 to 600 patients max and see only six to eight patients per day, compared to a doctor at a traditional insurance-based practice who sees 20 to 40 patients per day. We're keeping physicians in healthcare, right, because so many of them are burnt out. We're solving that for them. Habig says it's also good medicine for physician shortages in rural parts of the state, where clinics supported by major health systems are closing shop. The company opened a Freedom Doc Clinic in Batesville in October. And so what we're able to do is go into smaller communities that the large hospitals and systems cannot operate in. And that's just the flat out truth. They need thousands and thousands of patients to have a viable practice. Freedom HealthWorks says the DPC model also addresses a major pain point for employers, huge health care costs, which can be an even bigger concern for small companies or startups. The biggest barrier to entrepreneurship and innovation is far and away healthcare benefits. People have a foot in the old career just so they can maintain their quote unquote healthcare benefits. Habig says DPC shifts the incentive from quantity to quality. We see patients that utilize our services that are sick and tired of that bad healthcare experience and they just want a trusted physician who's able to spend time with them and answer all their questions. And Habig believes DPC also provides better mental health services because longer visits give doctors more time to talk with their patients. More great innovation in Indiana. Thanks, Kylie.
it's time to go inside innovation. Ukraine Naval Surface Warfare Center in southwest Indiana becoming an even bigger player in the microelectronics industry. Four semiconductor companies are coming to the Westgate at Crane Technology Park just outside the naval base. They plan to invest more than $300 million to create a 10-acre microelectronics campus called Westgate One. Indiana was recently selected as one of eight federally funded regional innovation hubs by the Department of Defense, and Crane is a key player in that effort. it's time now for Ion Education. More STEM opportunities for students at IU Northwest and Ivy Tech Community College. University officials this week opening a new STEM-based resource center on the IU Northwest campus. That STEM center will connect students to internships, peer mentoring, and leadership opportunities. It will also serve as the STEM home for Ivy Tech students in the region. Well, an iconic drink made in Indiana making a big comeback and now going nationwide. What's next for Chocola and how its return is impacting the Indianapolis East Side? Here's what's making news around Indiana. Brought to you by the Indiana Association of Realtors, Indiana's 21,000 realtors. The neighbors you know, the experts you can count on. Well, an iconic beverage with Indiana roots dating back more than seven decades had lost some of its sizzle through the years, but Chocola may be back with a bang sooner rather than later. Mary Rachel Redmond joins us now with more. Mary Rachel. Well, that's right, Gary. Nostalgia, well, it's a funny thing. Let me tell you, some of my most favorite memories growing up in the 90s, sipping on an ice-cold Chocola in the backseat of the minivan on family vacation. So when I heard Rockola Cafe on Indy's east side was selling it, I knew I needed to check it out for myself. We made our first visit in July of 2020 during the height of the pandemic, and I went back again this week for an update. Dan Iria is the owner of Rockola Cafe on Indy's east side. I took this place over actually from the previous owner in 2008. I had to find a way to bring people from much further away, either in the city or outside the city or outside the state. The answer to Iria's dilemma was part nostalgia, part curiosity about an iconic chocolate drink from his childhood. I just thought of Chocola and said, you know, I wonder what happened to that. And I've never seen it sold anywhere else. I wonder if I can find out where to get it. Uh, and then I'll sell it here. And it would seem the stars were aligned for Chocola and Iria to reunite. The beverage saving a business, the man reviving a favorite long forgotten brand. Uh, I went to the, uh, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website and I looked up the trademark to see who owned it. So I figured, well, you know, I'll call them up and, and see if I, I can buy Chocola. <laughs> but there was just one problem. He didn't have the recipe. However, his mom ended up having the missing ingredient. So I was talking to my mom one day and um, she said, well, why don't you just call the uh, inventor's sons, uh, the Normingtons? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know those people. Well, she did. Well, they used to play cards at my mom and dad's house when we were growing up, the sons of the original inventor. And so she had his phone number. She said, I'll give him a call and see what he'll do. So I called him and met him, told him what I was planning on doing. And they went and... Uh, got a cardboard box full of stuff and handed it to me and said, 
this is everything you need to know. <laughs> and Iria has been personally cooking up each batch of chocola on the cafe stove ever since. Fast forward now to 2023, and Iria tells me he and business partner Dave Hunter have secured a major manufacturer for the chocolate drink and are closer than ever to achieving their dream, bringing chocola back to store shelves. We're targeting first quarter. That's what we're targeting. Sooner we can get it out there, you know, the, the, we can start making money. You'd love to see Chocola. Well, Iria also tells me he hopes to see Chocola distributed not only in stores, but in schools as well. Again, Chocola coming to a store near you likely in the first half of next year. Good stuff. Great to see that relaunch, to be sure. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Mary Rachel. Well, the Indiana Chamber's coolest thing made in Indiana contest now down to the final two. It's between Hoosier Racing Tire in Plymouth and Hard Truth Distilling in Nashville. Those two companies among 47 Hoosier businesses in the bracket-style competition will find out the winner of the coolest thing made in Indiana in December. The Indiana Department of Transportation has awarded ORX Constructors the contract to build the Indiana portion of a new four-lane bridge extending I-69 and connecting Evansville to Henderson, Kentucky. Uh, The $1.4 billion project will take several years to complete, but the Indiana side expected to be wrapped up in 2026. I hope people think of me as always uh, being fair to them, always, um, never, you know, uh, having an agenda. Up next, we catch up with the Grand Dame of Central Indiana News, longtime Indianapolis journalist Debbie Knox. Her thoughts on retiring and what's next. And join us December 8th for IBJ CFO of the Year Awards. You need to RSVP to reserve your corporate table by December 4th at ibj.com slash events. Well, all good things must come to an end. And sometimes, like in the case of iconic Central Indiana journalist Debbie Knox, it's bittersweet when it comes to letting go and moving on. Debbie stepped down from the anchor desk this week at CBS4 after delivering news to Hoosier Homes for more than 30 years. Viewers will miss her. She will miss them as well and all things news. But Debbie Knox says it's time to go, time to retire to explore other opportunities. Good evening, I'm Debbie Knox. See if you can identify the young man with the dark hair. If you flipped on the TV in central Indiana over the past 40 plus years, then you certainly recognize Debbie Knox. Good afternoon, it's 51 degrees at this hour at the channel. A legend in local journalism who got bitten by the news bug at a very young age. I I was always interested in news. I just wanted to know more. I wanted to learn more. I always had this curiosity. That wanting to know instinct as a teenager led Debbie to earn a degree in journalism, which eventually led her to Indianapolis and a long run behind the anchor desk at Wish TV. I'm Mike Inger. And I'm Debbie Knock. Join Mike and me for all the news. Just about everybody in central Indiana back then connected with Mike and Debbie. Oh, it it was great fun. You know, Mike is, is, what a, what a wonderful man. He was yes. a great writer, um, just fun to be around, and, and yet a serious journalist, you know, a Notre Damer, and yep. and I, I just had a great sense of humor. He made work in there a lot of fun, and yet he was very serious about what he was doing. After more than 30 years at Wish, Debbie decided to hang it up in 2013, but it didn't last long. I came out of retirement because I was bored. The news is always in your blood. 
and I She just couldn't news. shake that addiction to news. So Debbie returned to the anchor desk at CBS4 in Indy in 2015. It just felt like a go-go, you know? Yeah. Why not? I, you know, I'd had seven, eight months by that time to rest. I'd been working out. I was, you know, I thought, well, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. And at that point, Gary, I thought maybe I'd work for a couple of years, two, three years. I didn't know, you know, I'm in my fifties at that time. I never yeah. thought I'd make it past my forties in TV, <laughs> in TV news. Yeah. I really, I, you know, yeah. when I started, that's what I thought. And it was like, so to get to almost 70 years old in this business is remarkable. Over her 40 plus year career, Debbie Knox has landed some biggies. For his remarks, which range from oil shortages to terrorism. Including former Soviet leader, Mikhail Gorbachev. He would not speak English. I knew that he could speak English, but he chose not to. Uh -huh. um, and you know, that's what, that's what happened. So he chose to speak Russian. So I had to go through his translator. And it was a slow interview. You know, uh -huh. it wasn't as rat-a-tat-tat -tat as you and I are talking yeah. right now. He would give a big, long answer, and then the translator would give me a big, long answer. Barack Obama. I'm going to be issuing some of the first executive orders and directives of my presidency. A very kind of, um, not I wouldn't say royalty, but it just had this vibe of, you know, yeah. what that was like. They, they brought us over glasses of water. Just, you know, it, me and him. And they covered his glass of water so that nobody could drop any kind of weird, you know, pill or something in the water. Former First Lady Barbara Bush. I thought that was going to be a, a real easy little interview. And uh, <laughs> she, she I, I learned uh, through through that interview that she is she was very protective of her husband. City County Council Committee is considering establishing a special taxing district, and it would. So now this Michigan-born, Indiana-raised TV news icon is bidding farewell for the final time, retiring from the anchor desk at CBS Four. I'm going to miss the newsroom. I know I will. I'm going to miss you know the people. I'm going to miss that. You know, the buzz we all get if there's a breaking news story, the whole that whole kind of environment is is just about in my DNA at this point. I love my community. Gary, I love this community. I love the state of Indiana. There's been a lot of good people that have done much more hard work than me, you know, making this a wonderful place to live and raise a family. And I've raised my family here and my kids are, you know, I'm, I'm proud as proud can be about my children. And, it's because of this community and the people here. I, Indiana's a great, great place. Debbie Knox, the grand dame of Central Indiana TV News. You've left an indelible mark on your community and you will be missed. And Debbie, we wish you all the best. Well, as we leave you this week, we leave on a bittersweet uh, note of sorts. We want to give a shout out to a very special, important member of our Inside Indiana business crew. Angel Carruthers is leaving us. She's been a key part of the production crew here on the prompter and elsewhere for 17 years. She's going to leave us. We're going to miss her smile, her bubbly personality. Best wishes, Angel, to you. You've got an exciting opportunity ahead of you. We're going to miss you, but know you're going to do great things. And thank you for joining us this week. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week. Thank you for listening to the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Remember, you can get the latest business news from every corner of the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week.